Part Three, Chapter Five of *The Pride of Yenical*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. *The Pride of Yenical* by Edgerton and Agnes Castle. Part Three, Chapter Five. A knock without aroused us with a stifled cry of alarm the woman who had made no sound on the violent entry of an armed man upon her unprotected solitude now fell into deadly anguish she sprang to the door and i could see the lace on her bosom flutter with the fear of her heart as she bent her ear to listen the knock was repeated who is it cried ottilie in a strangled voice i had said i would be alone tis i child came the answer in the well-known deep note it is anna alone i thrust my sword back into its scabbard my wife drew a long breath of relief and glanced at me with her hand pressed to her heart anna thank god we can admit her anna is safe she said and turned the key anna opened the door stood an instant on the threshold contemplating us in silence a faint smile hovered about her hard mouth then without wasting words on futile warnings she made fast the lock deposited on the floor a dark lantern she had concealed under her apron walked to the window which she closed as best she could and drew the curtains securely indeed her precaution was not idle through the silence of the outside world of night muffled by the snow but yet unmistakable the tread of the first patrolling round now grew even more distinctly upon our ear passed under the terrace emphasized by an occasional click of steel and died away round the corner with the vanishing sound melted the new anxiety which had clutched me and i blessed the falling snow which must have hidden again as soon as registered the tell-tale traces of my footsteps below anna had listened with frowning brow when all was still once more she turned to the princess and briefly but in that softened voice i remember of old i have told your ladies that you had bidden me attend to you this night and that you must not be disturbed in the morning and then turned to me all is ready sir we have till noon before being discovered and now child she continued as ottilie still closely clinging to my side looked up inquiringly no time to lose there is death in this for thy gracious lord if not for us all as well what does she mean asked ottilie and seemed brought from a far sphere of bliss face to face with cold reality oh basil basil to leave me again leave you i will never leave you cried i touched to the quick at the change which had come upon the proud spirit of my beloved but if you will not come with me with your husband if you fear the perils of flight the hardships of the road or even said i though it was only to try her and taste once again the exquisite joy of loving humble words from her lips if you cannot make up your mind to give up your high state here to live as the wife of a simple gentleman i am content to die at your side but leave you never again oh my god once was too much she looked at me for a second with tender reproach in her tear-dimmed eyes and upon her trembling lips then she answered with a simplicity that rebuked my mock humility i am content to go with you basil were it to the end of the world at this i could not in spite of anna's presence but take her to my heart again and the nurse after watching us with a curious look of mingled pleasure and jealousy in her hollow eyes suddenly and somewhat harshly bade us remember once more that time was short 
you she went on to her lady peremptorily as if conscious of being herself the true mistress of the situation drink you of that broth and break some bread and drink of that wine for you have not eaten to-day and you she added turning to me make ready with your ladder impatiently and sternly she stood by us until we prepared to obey her orders we owe a very great debt of gratitude to this woman my wife sat down like a child watching me sweetheart over every mouthful of soup as one who fears the vision may fade as for me appreciating all the importance of immediate action i threw from me the perilous temptation of letting myself go to the delight of the moment a delight enhanced perhaps by the very knowledge of environing danger opening my cloak i unwound the length of rope from my waist cautiously slipped out again on the balcony and fastened one end to the iron rail remembering the precious burden it was to bear i could not be satisfied without testing every knot and finally trying its strength with my own weight by descending to the terrace it worked satisfactorily and the distance fortunately was not excessive then leaving it dangling in three leaps i was up again and once more in the warm room just in time to see an exquisite gleam of silk stocking disappear into the depths of the fur boot which anna was fastening with all the dexterity of a nurse dressing child and indeed my sweet love submitted to be turned and bustled and manipulated with an uncomplaining docility as if she was again back in her babyhood although in truth i have reason to believe from what i know of her and have heard since that not even then had she ever been remarkable for docility grimly smiling anna completed her labour by submerging the dainty head in a deep hood the sable-lined cloak and the muff she handed over to me with the abrupt command throw them out asquarfen anna should have been a grenadier sergeant nevertheless the thought was good and i promptly obeyed next she gave me the lantern she had thought of everything and commenced extinguishing the lights in the room i took ottilie by the hand the little warm hand ungloved that it might the tighter feel the rope will you trust yourself love said i she gave me no answer but a shaft of one of her old fearless looks and yielded her waist to my arm and thus we stepped forth into the snow and the night i guided her to the rope and showed her where to hold and where to place her feet and then climbing over the balcony supporting myself by the projecting stones and the knotted ivy i was able to guide the slender body down each swinging rung for when the blood is hot and the heart on fire one can do things that would otherwise appear well-nigh impossible safely we reached the ground i enveloped her in the cloak which anna's forethought had provided and after granting myself the luxury of another embrace i was preparing to ascend the blessed rope again for the purpose of assisting anna when i discovered that incomparable woman solidly and stolidly planted by our side in the snow all is right gracious sir she said in a hoarse whisper but it would be as well to take away that rope since you can go up and down so easily without it recognizing in an instant the wisdom of the suggestion it was well someone had a waking brain that night i clambered up once more and in a few seconds had flung down the tell-tale ladder and descended again anna took up the lantern which she hid under her cloak and all three clinging together we hastened to the postern as noiselessly as shadows the snow fell but the wind had all subsided and the air was now so still that the cold struck no chill outside the postern seeing no one in sight we paused i have told janos to be at the bottom of the lane said i to anna as she pocketed the key after turning the lock 
and then to my wife who hung close and silent to my arm it is but a little way and then you shall rest even as i spoke i turned to lead her but anna arrested me i have thought better she said to leave the town in a carriage is dangerous i have arranged otherwise i was about i believe to protest or at least discuss when ottilie who had hitherto permitted herself to be led whither i would like one in a dream suddenly cried to me in an urgent undertone to let anna have her way believe me she said you will not repent it i would have gone anywhere at the command of that voice it shall be so said i but there is janos and we cannot leave him in the lurch no we must have janos with us said anna but that is easy follow me children and uncovering her lantern with her skirts well kilted up she preceded us with fearless strides to the secluded turn at the bottom of the lane where true to his promise i found the hyduck and his conveyance for the greater security the lamps of the carriage had not been lit but we could see its bulk rise in denser black against the gloom before us and feel the warmth of the horses steam out upon us with a pleasant stable odour into the purity of the air there was a rapid colloquy between our two old servants janos the cunning fox at once and appreciatively agreed to anna's superior plan of action and indeed his old campaigner's wits promptly went one better than the peasant's shrewdness instead of merely dismissing the carriage as she suggested he bade the coachman drive out by the east gate of the town and halting at Glywitz, await at the main hostelry there the party that would come on the morrow and in the dark i could see him emphasize the order by the transfer of some pieces that clicked knowingly in the night silence the point of the manoeuvre however was only manifest to me when turning to follow anna's lead again down a side alley the fellow breathed into my ear with a chuckle while your honour was away i took upon myself to dispatch his carriage with her luggage to meet us i said at dresden that will be too false sense for them and we it seems take the south road to prague we shall puzzle buddhism yet on we tramped through the deserted by-streets it was only when we were stopped at last in that self-same poor little mean lane before the self-same poor little mean shop faintly lit inside by a dull oil lamp that i recognized the scene of my morning's interview with anna that interview which seemed already to have passed into the far regions of my memory so much had i lived through since we met but few folk upon our way who paid little attention to us as we entered into the evil-smelling room stepping down into it from the street and as anna shot back the slide of the lantern and turned upon us a triumphant smiling face it felt that our chief peril was over the shop was empty but she was not disposed to allow us even a little halt she marshalled us through the dank narrow passages with which i had already made acquaintance across the courtyard into the back street there stood a country wagon with a leathern tent by the flash of the lantern i saw that to it were harnessed a pair of great raw-boned chestnuts that hung their heads patiently beneath the snow yet seemed to have known better service in their days no doubt at one time had felt the trooper's spurs beside them stood a squat man enveloped to the ears in sheepskin with a limp felt hat drawn over his brow till only some three-quarters of a shrewd empurpled not unkindly visage was left visible the wagoner was evidently expecting us for he came forward withdrew his pipe touched his hat and made a leg my cousin said anna to us and added briefly and significantly he asks no questions then in a severe tone of command she proceeded to address several to him had he placed fresh hay in the wagon according to her orders 
had he received from her sister the ham and the wine and the blankets had the horse been well fed on receiving affirmative grunts in answer she bade him then immediately produce the chair that the lady and the gentleman might get in between the closed borders of her hood i caught a glimpse of ottilie's faint smile as lighted by the lantern rays she mounted upon the wooden stool and disappeared into the dark recesses of the wagon stirring up a warm dust as she went and a far-away fragrance of hay and faded clover no you sir said anna and jogged my elbow i believe at that moment we were to her but a pair of babes and nurslings for whom she was responsible and that she would have as readily combed our hair and washed our faces as if we were still of a size to be lifted on her knee i obeyed and truly as i crawled forward in the dark amid the warm straw groping my way to the further end till i laid my hand on ottilie's soft young arm extended towards me when i heard her laugh a little laugh to herself as we snuggled in the nest together i felt a happiness that was like that of a child all innocent of past and improvident future nevertheless at one and the same time my whole being was stirred to its depths with a tenderness my manhood had not yet known in those foolish bygone days i had loved her the sweet soul with the unworthy mad passion of a lover for his mistress when she left me i had mourned her as a man mourns for his wife flesh of his flesh bone of his bone now however we seemed to be lad and maid together our love after all the sorrow and the agony we had passed through seemed to wear the unspeakable freshness of a first courtship it was written that good measure was to be paid me to compensate for past anguish good measure heaped up flowing over i took it with a thankful heart the cart swayed and creaked as janos and anna mounted and settled themselves at our feet drawing the hay high over themselves then came another creaking and swaying in the forward end we heard a jingle of bells a crack of the whip and a hoarse shout the cart groaned and strained to the effort of the horses and then yielded and at a grave pace we rumbled over the cobblestones turning hither and thither through street after street which we could not see and in the midst of our hay we felt a sense of comfortable irresponsibility and delicious mystery all in the inner darkness we were dimly conscious of the snowy pageant outside the ghost-like houses and the twinkling lights ottilie lay against my shoulder and i felt her light breath upon my cheek after a while it would be hard to say how long there was a halt there came a shout from our driver and an answering shout beyond i knew we had come to the town gates that was a palpitating moment of anxiety as the two voices exchanged parley which the heavy beating of the pulses in my ears would not allow me to follow next the rough cadence of a jovial laugh fell loud upon the air and then sweeter music i have seldom heard the clank of the gates bar once more we felt ourselves rumbling on slowly till we had passed the bridge and exchanged the cobbles of the town for the surface of the great imperial road more lenient for all its ruts the cousin cracked his whip again and bellowed to his cattle after infinite persuasion they broke into a heavy jog-trot in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost said anna suddenly from her dark corner in a loud vibrating voice give thanks to god you children she leant forward as she spoke and pulled aside the leathern curtains that hung across the back of the cart with the rush of snowy air came to us framed by the aperture a retreating vision of buddhism studded here and there with rare gleams of light thus did my wife the young princess of lusatia 
leave her father's dominions her prospects of a throne for the love of a simple english gentleman end of part three chapter five